Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. We'll take care of something. Somebody in this group this morning, during the week, and perhaps throughout the week, this is the thought that has gone on in your mind. I'm going to church one last time. Now, this is by revelation. I'm going to church for one last time. And if God doesn't do something in my life, I'm not going back. Now, the Lord revealed this to me as I've prayed out in these last couple of three weeks about this service. So I want you to be encouraged and I want you to understand this. God heard you. And he's aware of where you are and what you're dealing with. And he wants me to tell you this, whoever you are, I don't have a clue who you may be. He said, you're looking the, long, the wrong direction. He said, your problem is you're looking back on these things. And you're asking, where was God in this? And where was God in that? And how come this happened? And how come that happened? And and he's saying, you're looking in the wrong direction. And he's, this is his instruction to you. Turn around and look the other way. Because I am the God of the past, but I'm also the God of the present and the God of the future. And the reason you are in the state that you're in is you're there because you have been looking the wrong direction. So turn around. I want to talk to you today about something, the Lord, the, the most, the most uh, sensitive time I believe in my life to the Spirit is in that twilight time when I'm waking up in the mornings. And I always try to give a season of those moments to the Holy Spirit. My day has not started. I know nothing about what's going to happen. I'm just there thankful for the rest and for the new day. And I say, I don't even say it. I, I just, the Lord knows he can meet me in that moment and I'll be receptive. And he dropped into my spirit what you see on the screen, three weddings and a funeral. I have learned 
it doesn't matter if I understand what he says or not. That, that's not the issue. The issue is that I receive what he says. And then revelation comes in those hours and days and sometimes weeks after it has been revealed or spoken to me. And so what I want to share with you today is three weddings and a funeral. I put four statements on the screen. I hope I did. <laughs> Boy, I miss it back there, guys. Let me say it to you. The time to prepare for war is before the battle. The time to believe for healing is before you're sick. The time to believe for supply is before there is lack. And the time to pray for God's favor is before you need it. Now in the next slide, I have highlighted one word and it's the word before. Did I highlight it? I did good. I'm coming along. Before. Before you need it, you must prepare for it. You see, my, my concern for the body of Christ is that you have longevity. I don't want to see you jumping high at 30, winning souls at 40, casting out devils at 50, and then living out the rest of your life of none effect. I wished I could tell you that everybody that I have ever led to Jesus, baptized, or discipled is still going on with God. But they're not. I believe today if you will listen carefully, I can help you ensure longevity in your walk with Jesus and victory in your daily life. It involves three weddings and a funeral. Let me read out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And this is something we don't hear from the pulpits much today, and that is the negative report. You know, I was thinking earlier in the week about a sermon with the missing ingredient. Let me chase a rabbit. Do you know when Jesus when John the Baptist began his ministry, you know what his message was? What was the first thing that he said to the people? Repent. When Jesus began his ministry, the first part of his message was repent. When he sent the disciples out to preach, he told them, Tell them, repent. Change your mind. 
change your attitude, change your perspective, change what needs to be changed. We don't hear that much, the missing ingredient. But let me read this Second Timothy pas- this passage. This is out of the New Living Testament. I like the way it read. It said, you may as well know this too, Timothy. Paul writing to his disciple, Timothy. That in the last days, it is going to be very difficult to be a Christian. For people will love them, love only themselves and their money, and they will be proud and boastful, sneering at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful to them, and thoroughly bad. Isn't that optimistic? Aren't you encouraged and strengthened? Now listen, they will be hard-headed and never give in to others. They will be constant liars and troublemakers and will think nothing of immorality. I know you thought when I thought about three weddings and a funeral, you thought about your cousin (laughs) who had been married all those times. That's not where we're going. He continues with his definition of mankind in the last days. They will be rough and cruel, sneer at those who try to do good. They will betray their friends. They will be hot-headed, puffed up with pride and prefer good times to worshiping God. They will go to church, yes, but they won't really believe anything they hear. Don't be taken in by people like that. They are the kind who craftily, with a plan, sneak into other people's homes and make friendships with silly, sin-burdened, sorry girls, women, and teach them their new doctrine. Women of the kind, women of that kind are forever following new teachers, but they never understand the truth. And these teachers fight truth just as Janus and Jambres fought against Moses. Old Testament story. They have dirty minds warped and twisted and have turned against the Christian faith. Ladies and gentlemen, I did not say that. The apostle Paul said that. And it is recorded in the immutable, unchanging without error, word of God. So it is the way it is. Now, if you do not believe that, then you have not watched the news, driven the freeways of Houston, or done business with people. Because it is an apt description of the society that we live in, I am sad to say. But if you look at verse 16, I'll not go there. You can read it. It speaks of the power of the word of God in rectifying that. Three weddings and a funeral. I I subtitled this, Living in Victory in Difficult Times. Four things you must know and practice. 
Let me tell you one thing that's wrong with the body of Christ as I see it. Is we have become satisfied to win a victory while losing the war. What I'm saying is this. We have conditioned ourselves to rejoice when we get sick and are healed rather than to condition ourselves to walk in health. Do you see the difference? There's a difference between getting sick and being healed. Thank God for that healing power. But the plan and the purpose of God is not to heal us and heal us and heal us and heal us and heal us. It is for us to walk in health. Read the book. He came to give us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Are you a better witness when you're sick or when you're well? Now, you may be different, but I'm better at being well. I, listen, I've been sick, and, and I've been well, and I like well better. And I want to stay well. Now, I'm not talking about just winning the battle. L listen to this out of Hebrews. Some of you may not even know that it's in your Bible because the way that you worry and live your life, you, you, you almost live like you don't know that there is a promise that God has given you in this passage. Listen to it. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news, this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they did not share the faith of those who listen to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. Listen, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world, we know it is ready because the place in the scriptures where he mentions the seventh day, on the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. But in the other passage, God says, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard it, heard this good news, failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God sent another time for entering his rest. And that time is what? Is what? Is what? Is what? Today. Right now. There is a place in God whereby we can live our life 
not in fear and trembling of COVID, not, not, not in fear of lack, not in fear of sickness and disease, not, not in fear of society, but in rest. There's a place where you and I, as his children, that has been prepared for us. Listen, in this, that's not heaven. That's this life. When did he say it was? Today. Today, if you enter in. Today, if you enter in. You can have Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. See, we have become so logical and so rational and so educated that that, that simple faith, simple trust, simple confidence in who God is, is it just doesn't seem to fit. It seems almost like we're avoiding the realities of life if we simply say, well, I'm trusting God with that. A few weeks ago, we were with some folks that had been tested positive for COVID. Almost before the diagnosis was there, our Telephones lit up and, and our physician friend said, would you come in and take the infusion? Would, would, would you? And when I replied, no, I, I don't believe so. And, and, and they said, uh, well, can I send you some medicine? And I, I said, no, we're, we feel fine. We're trusting God. Well, now, to the world, that sounds irresponsible. The news media say folks like us need to be dealt with. <laughs> Simply because we're believing that none of these diseases come near our dwelling. Now, why do I believe that, folks? Be be because... You know what? The same Bible that I'm counting in is telling me the truth about getting to heaven and staying out of hell tells me that no disease comes near my dwelling. Now listen, if I'm going to believe this book to get to heaven, I need to believe it to get to tomorrow. And what it says, I need to put have as much confidence in that the, the Lord spoke to me uh, a week or two, maybe a month ago. He said, the word of God, even without understanding, is more powerful than the word of the natural in understanding. Better not to understand what God says, but believe it than it is to believe what the world says. It's more powerful in the midst of that. Four truths I want to share with you quickly. Three of them you must marry, but one of them you must bury. 
I looked up the word wedding. It referred me to marriage. I looked up the term marriage. It says legally or formally recognized union of two people as partners in a personal relationship. Let me read that. Legally or formally recognized union of two people as partners in a personal relationship. Now, what I'm asking you to do is when I begin to share these four things, these first three, that you marry them. What do you mean marry them? Well, let me read the the wedding vows. Henry, do you take Clara to be your wedded wife, to live together in marriage? Do you promise to love her, comfort her, honor and keep her for better or worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and health? And here's the thing I want you to get hold of. Forsaking all others, be faithful only to her for as long as you both shall live. Now, now see, in our world of accepted divorces, the, the, wedding, the, 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 the wedding has been cheapened by the frequency of divorce. In other words, what God intended for the wedding to be, one man for one woman forever, it's hard to imagine But I want you to imagine, I want you to say, I'm going to understand I am legally bound and married to this truth. Let me say to you, let me give you a little personal testimony. When I was about eight or 10, somewhere in West Texas, I do not remember where we lived, we moved all the time. I went to 16 schools before I graduated high school, some of them twice. My dad worked construction. We moved. I had a wonderful life. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I didn't know we were poor until later on in life. But somewhere in this little West Texas town, We were attending the Baptist church. We always attended the Baptist church. The first or second week we were in a new location, we joined the Baptist church. So I do not remember the event other than I went forward because the preacher said I needed to come forward to confess my sins. And Lord knew I was 10 years old, I was a rank sinner. So they took us out into the cow pasture and baptized us. How many of you know what a tank is? Well, a tank is a pond of water out in the middle of nowhere where the cows drink. So they took us out there, all of us that had prayed to receive Jesus, and baptized us. And really the only thing I remember about that is if I wiggled my toes, the water got real muddy spiritual experience. So because of that and the lack of follow through on my part and the part of the church, 
Because you see, normally in the old days when you got saved in a Baptist church, you came down the aisle and, and they prayed with you and said, God bless you, sat over there. Well, that's what most of us did. We sat over there. I love what Becky said. Don't you love Becky? Amen. Oh, my word. What a woman. Where would, Pastor wouldn't, <laughs> without Becky, he'd be in trouble, I'll tell you. Awesome woman. I love that girl. She is, she is a dandy. I love what she said. If you don't see your kids as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, then wake up because that's who they are. I've watched it. So anyway, I was telling this story. I lived really the next 20 years of my life faithfully attending church. Went to church. Was a good boy. Went to Sunday. Listen, I mean, we went to church. Listen to how it was back in the old days. Sunday school in the morning. Worship service, church training at six o'clock in the Sunday evening, church worship in the nighttime. Wow. And then Wednesday night, we always come back for midweek service. And then we probably had youth one night. Now, you'd think you go to church a lot? I snicker every time pastor talks about preaching. One time a week? Give me a break, young man. <laughs> that may have been the reason our sermons was kind of weak too. Or it may be the reason we hollered at people. Here's the first thing I want you to marry. How come y'all are still, oh, they got it on the back screen. Let's go. We're supposed to be on, on number eight, guys. They're, boy, they are so good. I love Elizabeth. I was there when Elizabeth was born. You ready? Let's jump into it. I'm going to just run through them quickly, and then I'm going to take them apart a little bit. As Pastor said, I'm going to unpack them. All right. Truth one, you must marry. God is God and you're not. You need to settle that. You, you, you need to settle it. Because what happens if you're not settled in that area, you're trying always to double guess what's going on. Now, I'm not saying that you adapt this case I raw, so raw, that whatever will be, will be, because that's not true either. You know, I was reading something recently and they were talking about how that suffering matures you. And then, then back in the early days of the charismatic movement, you know, back in, in the prosperity movement, it, if you had a lot of money, then you were maturing in the faith. And ain't neither one of them right. Let me tell you how God wants to mature you is through his word not by giving you a headache, a broken leg, or a car wreck, or your washing machine breaking. Can I learn anything through those adversities? Yes. Will I walk through some of those? Yes. But it's not God's best for my life to rely upon bad things to teach me good things. 
Not only is God good and you're, God is God and you're not, he's a good God and he's for your well-being. Now you need to marry that. You need to say, legally, I buy into this thing. This truth is real. God is God and I'm not. He's a good God and he's for me. Now go to the next one. This is the second one. I want you to marry into this. I want you to buy into it. I want you to recognize it. I want you to accept it. The Bible is God's word given to us for our benefit. It is all true. It is alive. It is living. And it is given to me for my good. You see... One of, the, one of the things that I've seen in, in, in our modern, modern Christendom is we, we like to study about the Bible. We, we like to read books about the Bible. We, we like to hear testimonies about the lives of people. But you see, the truth is, it's the word of God that will not return void. See, it, it one of... One of my best illustrations that I've always loved was a, a young preacher boy that God had truly called to the ministry of, of pulpit preaching. And, and uh, so the first thing he did is uh, he went out and, and he bought him a Billy Graham Bible because Billy Graham was absolutely the world's greatest evangelist, no doubt. And, and then he went and got him a, 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 a fancy suit like, like the evangelist Dave Wilkerson wore. And he had his Bible and his suit and, and, and he got him one of them real fancy haircuts, you, you know, like the preachers get. And of course, today you'd have to get you some skinny-legged jeans if you're going to be on TV. <laughs> a 40-year-old man with a ponytail and skinny jeans in the pulpit. Now, now I'm not making fun. I, I, you know, I, I, was, I was admiring, where is that beard? There's a beard back there. That boy got a beard. I mean, that's a beard. I mean, it's a capital B beard. You know what? I don't, I don't want one. I, listen, I, about, about two days without shaving, my face is already scratched up. And every other part... It's terrible. <laughs> but anyway, this preacher got up there and boy, he just preached his little old heart out with his Billy Graham Bible and his Dave Wilkerson suit, his skinny-legged jeans, and I mean, it was nothing fell flat on his face. So that afternoon, he got before the Lord. He said, Lord, Lord, you call me to preach. I know you call me. And you, you have no, he, God said, wait a minute, who are you? See, God didn't call you to be an in, uh, uh, like somebody else, the best imitation of somebody else. 
He called you to be who you are because you need to be who you are because he knows who you are and he knows where you need to be and he knows who you can touch and he knows where you can make a difference. The Bible teaches us all that. Now here's the third truth. You need the local church and the local church needs you. One thing COVID has done, one thing Zoom has done, one thing all of the social media has done, it has somehow caused people to think we can make it without going to church. Can I say this? You need me. You don't have to like me. You you, you don't even have to even care a thing about, but you need me. And I need you, beard and all, ponytail and all. Well, I need you because what I am not, you are. And what you are not, I am. And that works for all of us in the body of Christ. We can't be our very best apart from being a part of the local church. And here's the fourth thing. You marry those three and you have to marry this one. Years ago, my friend, evangelist Don Babbitt, he was a bit unorthodox in his early days. So he said to me one day, he was my first youth pastor when I was pastor of First Baptist Church in Van Vliet. He said, can you borrow a coffin? And I said, probably not. (laughs) He said, can you build one? I said, absolutely. So we built a nice old Western coffin, you know, out of, that was back when you could afford to buy one by 12. (laughs) And I built him a coffin full size. He got up to preach, had that coffin down there with the lid open. Opened it before he took the pulpit, but he opened it up. Everybody was seated. And he had the people come by and look in the coffin and there was a mirror in there. And then he preached a sermon that caused everybody to face the reality that that was someday going to be their place. You see, the thing you need to bury, the thing you have to bury, yea, it is imperative that you bury, is you. Now let's, I want to, about 80% of what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the scripture because it's the scripture that doesn't return void. My illustration might catch your attention but the word of God is what arrests you. Now let's talk about these. Now let's go back to one. Let's go to the slide eight again, guys. God is God and you're not. Listen to the scripture. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. For who is God but our Lord? And who is a rock except our God? 
1 John 1, 5, the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and there is no darkness at all is in him. I'm talking about recognize the fact that God is God. Your opinion may matter to some people, but your opinion does not change the immutability of God in his word. The fact God is for you and he is all truth. Listen to Hebrews. So God has given us both his promise and his oath. Two things we can completely count on. We can buy into it. Two things we can buy into. We can count on. For it is impossible for God to tell a lie. Now all those who flee to him to save them can take New courage, and I'm asking you to take new courage today. I'm asking you to buy into the truth of the Word of God, that God is God and you're not. And if you want to live a life of victory, you have got to quit arguing with God. You submit to God, you're, you're subject to Him, He's not subject to you. You don't order Him around you bring the word of God and you take what God has said and that is true. Why? Didn't you hate it when your mama used to say, why? And, you, and, and mama would say, because I said so. Well, I'm gonna tell you that's true with God because he said so. It is impossible. Now those who flee to him to save them can take new courage when they hear such assurances from God. Now they can know here without doubt that he will give them salvation he has promised him. First, Second Peter uh, chapter one. To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, listen, listen to verse three. Seeing that he by his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Listen, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. True knowledge, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the reality we must stop believing the lie of the world and of the devil and we must begin to take God at his word. When we read it, we don't question it, we don't yell but it, we don't yell what if it, we don't remember Uncle Zeke, we don't remember Aunt Mary, we say, God, your word said it, I accept it and it's true. See, what happens in the midst of that is that there is that rest, that confidence, that peace that comes because God is God. I'm not having to dictate to the world. Well, what's gonna happen with this? And what's gonna happen with that? And how's this going? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I can tell you what the Word of God says. 
Now let's look at the second truth. The Bible is God's word. See, see, see we, don't, we, don't, we don't see that much. The, the, listen, don't, don't, don't go around saying the Bible is filled with lessons or the Bible is filled with principles or, or, or the Bible is filled with rules. No, 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 no. The Bible is filled with God's word to us. Does it have principles? Does it have rules? Yes, 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 yes. But it's not that. It, it is living. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Jim Giles quotes that nearly every time I see him. Why? Because he's getting it in his spirit. Now, now listen to what it says. He said, Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The word of God is not changing. I, I was listening to a, to a fellow I listen to most, most days, three or four days a week, comes on every, every uh, uh, come, comes, has a, a, a podcast, I guess they call it, and uh, he talks about today's activity in light of a Christian worldview. And he was talking about a, a, an article that was an editorial that was in the New York Times, the newspaper, and it was talking about, and the title of it is, God is Getting More Liberal. And, and so it talked about how that man has neglected the, the Word of God, and so God must be changing to the activities of man. That was basically Mind. No, 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 no. God is still God. The Word of God is still the Word of God. It's forever settled. He, he's not changing. Well, you know, Brother Jim, I've been talking to God, and he and I have got this special. No, you lie. That's a devil. That's a devil lying to you. God doesn't give you a special arrangement. God loves you with a love that is everlasting. He has proven that he loves you by giving his only begotten son to die in your place. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's given his best up front. Everything else is second. There is nothing greater than a friend that would lay down his life for a friend. And that's what Jesus did. Don't cheapen the word of God. Matthew 5, 17 through 19 says, do not think that I came to abolish the law and prophets. I came, uh, I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter nor stroke shall pass from the law until it is accomplished. And then Jesus said, whoever annuls one of these least commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called great. We're talking about the Bible being God's word. The same Paul said to the same Timothy, all scripture is inspired. That means God breathed it. All scripture is inspired by God in profitable, profitable, profit. It brings a return. It brings a profit in your life. It'll make you better than you are. It'll help you deal with your issues. It'll help you change and break your habits. It'll bring healing to your body. It'll bring salvation to your eternal spirit. The word of God is profitable. Amen. He goes on and says, 
It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God might be adequate, equipped for every good work. It's the word of God that says he's going to equip you to do what he's called you to do. You see, the word of God will make you a better doctor. The word of God will make you a better farmer. The word of God will make you a better boilermaker. The word of God will make you a better housewife. The, the word of God will make me and all better preachers. It'll make every one of us better. Why? Because it's the word of God. Hebrews 12, four, verse 12 says, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the foe. In other words, you and I can't see clearly, but the word of God will give us clarity. It'll show us. Well, I thought I was better than that. No, 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 no. You wasn't better than that. He was a sorry, low down, good for nothing sinner, destined for a devil's hell. Yeah, but you don't know me, man. I've pulled myself up by my own. No, you haven't. The grace of God has allowed you the opportunity to improve and become all that you could possibly be. You must recognize this third truth. You need the local church and the local church needs you. You see, the church belongs to Jesus. He said to Peter, I'm gonna build my church. I'm gonna build my church. I'm gonna build my church. Now, we may pastor, we may direct, we may plan, we may dream, and, but it's God's church. Matthew 16, 8, the Living Testament says, which means rock, upon this rock I will build my church. Hebrews 10, 23, 24, said us, let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, let us Consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing nigh. We need to be more diligent about the things of God and the house of God than we've ever been. I don't need to go to church. God's out there in the bay. I can catch him on Sunday morning. Oh, he's out there in my duck blind. Yeah, he is, because the Word of God tells me that he is ever-present all the time, everywhere. But I'm going to tell you what. That duck you're trying to shoot, that fish you're trying to catch, that trophy you're trying to win... Is not going to perfect you one bit toward who God wants you to be. You need the local church. You've heard me say it many times before. The greatest influence in my life and the sustainer of my faithfulness as a Christian has been the local church and the people that make it up. Romans says we all belong to one another. I belong to you whether you like me or not. First Corinthians says God has put each part in the body as he pleases. That's the reason you don't take lightly your belonging to a local church. It's the reason you don't talk about people that are in your church. You don't criticize the leadership of your church. 
You're faithful to support the church because you need the church to become everything God wants you to be. Now let's close it out quickly with the truth number four that you must bury. You must die to yourself to live to your best. Can I say that again? You must die to yourself to live to your best. Colossians 3.3 says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him, uh, with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion. I just couldn't help myself, preacher. I mean, she was a foxy little thing. I would just overcome and she came on to me and I just couldn't. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Well, I just couldn't help it. It was just there and, and, and you know, I just thought I needed to take it before somebody stole it. Did you catch on to it? Old Jim Elbeck used to say that. He said, no, Brother Jim, we ought to take that before somebody steals it. <laughs> He's just teasing. He's a great old man. Great, great man of God. You, you see what I'm saying? We, we, we can, but we can't do it in our present condition. We, we, we can't be worldly-minded and stand against the worldly things. We got to be heavenly minded. We got to be confident of this one thing that God is God and I'm not, and He's for me. We got to be confident that the Word of God is true. It's forever settled in heaven. What it says, it says to me, and it's the truth. And then we got to surround ourselves with a community of people that encourages and strengthens and challenges and, yes, aggravates us. You don't know how hard it is to be a former pastor in a church that you're not. I look at Brother Noah and I say, Brother Noah, come on, man. <laughs> you know, just like your kids look at you, it's hard raising your parents. <laughs> it's full-time job raising your parents. I feel sorry for our children. Listen to me, please. We need one another. Now, I believe, personally, God sets people in churches. I believe there are people that he sets at Harvest Time Church. I believe there are people that he has set in Ignite Church. I believe there are people that he has set in First Baptist Church. Because they need what they have got to offer. They are a gift to that church. And so he's given us Holy Spirit gifts to enable us to be what we need to be to the church. We need the church. We need to die to ourselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a theologian, a German theologian. And in his book called The Cost of Discipleship, when Christ calls a man or woman, 
he bids him to come and die. I am crucified with Christ, yet I live. That's the paradox. My life, my desires need to be buried and resurrected. We sing about that. See, we, we talk about the, well, there's going to be a physical, thank God there's going to be a physical resurrection, but there needs to be a spiritual resurrection. You, you, you need to, to come to the end of yourself so that God can resurrect who you really are on the inside so that you can walk in victory, so that you can live in that rest that the Hebrews writer talked about. Listen to Deuteronomy 30. See, I have set before you today. Remember what Hebrews said? When, when was the rest available? Today. I have said before you today, oh, but Brother Jim, that's the Old Testament. That doesn't have nothing. Come on now. All Scripture is inspired by God. Now notice what he said before them that day and today. Life and prosperity. Death and adversity. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandment and his statutes and his judgments so that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your hearts turn away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you, surely you shall perish." You will not prolong your days in the land where you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Now here's the advice. So choose life in order that you may live. Now listen to this. You and your descendants. Rob and Lisa, and four offspring. See, your choices affecting your children. What you choose to do about these four truths is affecting your children and your grandchildren. Where you choose to live, where you choose to go, what you choose to do, how you choose to re recreate are affecting your children. God says, I have set life and prosperity before you. What are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? I don't know if you know anything about John G. Lake. You, you know, you ought to read after some of the great miracle-working men and women of God. Because most of the literature that you read now has nothing to do with the miraculous working power of God. It has to do with logic and reason and understanding and manipulation. And it, it. But you read, you read stuff like this. Oh, they were over the top, Brother Jim. They were, 
And I'm going to tell you what they had. They had the peace of God in their life and they had the power of the Holy Spirit operating in their life. You see, if you're not exposed to the miraculous, you won't know to believe for it. If you've never seen a divine healing or a deliverance, you don't know to expect it. You're here today and you could be demon-possessed. But if you didn't know that there was deliverance in the church house, you would never, ever seek it out. See, I'm telling you, church, we have got to believe that God is God and that the Word of God is forever settled in heaven and that He wants to use the vehicle of the church to bring peace and rest and deliverance and victory to the body of Christ. He wants us to grow up and become men and women of God but not just men and women of God that don't smoke, drink, dance, and cuss and run around on our wife. That's not his goal. His goal is not to raise up people that don't sin. His goal is to raise up men and women of God who take the word of God and make a difference in the world that they live. They lay hands on the sick and they do recover. They cast out demons. They speak with a new tongue. You see, I'm just saying that apart from these three truths and you saying no to yourself, is the world ever going to see what God really wanted the church to be? Anyway, John G. Lake was an awesome man of God. He sold, he was a successful businessman, sold his business, dispersed it, became a missionary to Africa. Now, what I want you to hear, I'm not going to be able to read it in its entirety, but he says, my consecration as a Christian. In other words, what I'm asking you to do today is to take these four truths and consecrate yourself to them. When doubt comes, I want you to say, no, 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 no. No, God is God, and I'm not. When questions come up and why this happened, I, I don't know. I don't understand that. I'm going to try to understand it. I'm going to ask God for revelation, but God's still God. And then when you read something that just seems kind of religious, I, I want you to say, no, 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 no. The Word of God says this. One, one of the ploys of, of this new society is that it takes the Word of God and changes just a few of the words of God to where it means different, but it doesn't mean what God's meant for it to mean. Now listen to what he said. I this day, and I would recommend this to you. I would recommend it to you. I remember clearly the day the Lord spoke to me. I came home from a men's advance, set my wife on my lap. She was a foxy little old mama. Woo! Glory. I set her on my lap and I said, I want you to know one thing, that there's nothing that you will ever do that will cause me to divorce you. Do you know that brought a solidity to that marriage that nothing else could? And that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to, to say, God, you're God and I'm not. I'm gonna consecrate myself to that truth. The Word of God is forever settled in heaven. It is the Word of God, and it's for me. It's for my betterment. God, I'm going to believe the Word of God over everything else. And it's a lie of the devil that you can't understand it. 
You may not understand all of it, but you don't need to understand all of it. You just need to understand the parts that applies to you where you are today. That's enough. This day, I consecrate my entire life to glorify my heavenly Father to, by my obedience to the principles of Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, all my efforts from now on will be directed in an effort to demonstrate the righteousness of God in whatever I may be engaged. And then he names the principles. And in the principles, you know what he says? I'm going to behave myself around other women. I'm going to live my life uprightly. Pastor has taught us that we need to do it on purpose. What was that shirt that y'all gave me? It said, be intentional. What I'm asking you to do today is be intentional about your walk with God. I'm asking you to be intentional about that. I'm asking you to say, God, do I really need to go there? Do I really need to do that? Do I really need to be there? Or God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it? See, I understand this is, that's, that's a whole 16-yard dump load. But I'm asking you, church, if you want to walk with God all the days of your life, you don't do it accidentally. You do it intentionally. You go on when there's reason to quit. You keep going on when there's reason to give up. You move forward because you know it's the truth, not because it seems to be working. I made a statement at elders meeting we were talking about all that God has impressed upon Becky when she shared it with us it scared me to death as a 79 year old man I said I can't see it for me but Boy, it seems to make sense for you guys. But I went on to say, there's not one major decision in my life that I have made that made sense. I'm just telling you. I had a job I loved. I was a machinist. I was the machine shop for, uh, machine shop foreman at what is now Napa Machine Shop. I loved it. And you know what I did? I quit it, took my wife and my three-year-old son and moved to what my wife referred to as a concrete jungle, Fort Worth, Texas, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And although I was not a student, I submitted myself to become a student. I always loved school. It was the schoolwork I hated. I loved going. I loved the fellowship. 
I came home from when we finished seminary. I, I came back to the First Baptist Church in Van Vleck as pastor. was there three and a half years, I believe. God began to deal with me. We, we resigned that church with nowhere to go because of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We moved to the hill country and started a church. Spent about a year and a half up there and the Lord spoke to me that my time there was done. We came back and God forbid we led the music at a Baptist church. I left Cedar Lane Baptist Church. 43-year-old man had nowhere to go. Had a teenage son. Had a wife. Thank God she wasn't pregnant. That would add to the story, though. But she <laughs> Had no idea what I was going to do. Donald Reed sat right back there with my youth pastor. Said, well, if you're quitting, I am. <laughs> so he and I came over here. Well, we didn't know what we was. You know what happened? That was on a Wednesday night. The next morning, I had a man call me and said, listen, what are you going to do? And I said, well, gosh, I don't have any idea. I just, you know, I just knew it was time for me to go. And he said, listen, I got six acres of land. I got five acres I want to give to church. I want to give you and Sharon an acre if you're going to start a church. So that was on Thursday. Well, we kind of flopped around for a day or two. People kept calling me, want to know who's going to start a church. What was we going to do? And I said, well, I, I don't know. So... Back when Ignite was Living Waters, I, I was friends with the pastor. I said, I said, can I, can I use your church? This was on a Tuesday night. And he said, sure. So it's by word of mouth, there were 97 people showed up that night. Shoot, I didn't know what to do with them. So I took up an offering. Every good Baptist can take up an offering. So I took that offering up. It was 11,500 and some odd dollars. I said, well, maybe God does want me to start a church. <laughs> Kelly's mama, who believed that God was God and knew she needed the local church, believed the Bible to be the immutable Word of God, went to the credit union and borrowed three years worth of what her tithes would be and gave it to that offering and started what has become Harvest Time Church. <laughs> well, I had a fellow who was the, uh, we had elected him to be the secretary treasurer, so I said, find us a place to meet. Going back into town, just before you turn to come to 35, there on the right is those orange storage buildings. Just adjacent to that is a little concrete slab that was a Jehovah's Witness church originally. It had been converted to a Jazzercizer building. 
It was about uh, about 25 foot wide and maybe 50 foot long. We had the first nursery in the foyer. We rented that, and that's where Harvest Time Church started. November 1986. People began to give to a building fund. See, I think it's important you know this. I think you need to understand the sacrifice that enabled you to sit here in this air-conditioned, on these comfortable pews. So we rocked along a little while. We had about $50,000. This was a rice field. We mudded in the perimeter fence that's still out here. The rice field was here. We had to wait for the second cutting of rice. I, heard a, I borrowed a, a big bud tractor, one of them great big ones with eight wheels on it and a 20-foot land, not a land plane, but a, a disc. And we disc up all this property. That's the reason we were known as the church with muddy souls. It probably took seven years for it to dry up. It was such a good rice field. So we built this structure, which was from here back to there, 60 by 80, I believe. We had enough in the building fund to pour the slab, put up the building. See all these trees that's out here, these big oak trees? Donald Reed and I set them out. They were about that tall. So we got to the inside. We didn't have enough to finish it. And I had one of the men come to me and said, Brother Jim, said, I've got $50,000 in my retirement. He worked for Dow. He said, I want to borrow against it so that we'll have enough, time, enough money to finish our church. I said, no, no, we're not going to do that unless we can set it up as a loan and pay you back. And finally, he submitted to that. So we spent that $50,000. And we were long toward the end. And there was a little lady in our church, probably 65 at the time, who came to me and she said, Brother Jim, I've got, to, I've got a CD, $35,000, set aside for my son's education and I want to borrow against that so that we can finish our church. So we made the same arrangement. Can I say to you, we paid off both of those unselfish people to the glory of God. And now here, 30 plus years later, we're still in business. I think it's awesome. Now let me say this to you. I've known a lot of preachers in my life. And I've known a lot of preachers' wives. But I want to say to you that Harvest Time Church probably has the best preacher we've ever had right now. I, now, 
I didn't say it was perfect. Don't get carried away. Good gravy. He hears God, he and Becky both. Becky keeps him balanced. I believe they hear God. I believe, I believe they're willing to make whatever sacrifice it takes to see this church become all God intended for it to be. In the early days, I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit as a Baptist pastor. I had a, my wife received the baptism before I did. She spoke in tongues and I didn't. And, and I was a Baptist preacher. That's pretty bad for a Baptist preacher if you got a tongue talking wife. It was 35 years ago anyway. Not so much now. Then my son, six, seven-year-old boy, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. And gosh, I mean, I was, man, I was under pressure. So anyway, finally I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know what I had most trouble with tongues? Because I had, I had heard, well, well, how do you know that's not the devil talking to you? Well, I didn't ask the devil to talk through me, you, you know? How, why would the devil talk to me when I've asked God to? I want to say to you, Sharon and I have never lacked for one good thing. Can I say that to you again? See, I'm not telling you about something I don't live every day of my life. I, I'm telling you about if you want to be long, Sharon and I have been married 57 years. Somebody was talking about how, how, when are we ever going to get our wives trained? I said, I don't know. You don't do it in 57 years. I can't speak beyond that. <laughs> Will you at least consider what I'm talking about? Will you at least consider to get married? To commit yourself, forsaking all others, cleave only to the truth, God is God and you're not. And he's for you, not against you. That the word of God is forever settled in heaven and whether you understand it or I understand it, it is a reality that will come to pass. It works in everyday life. And will you commit yourself to a local body of Christ and let us grow together, wherever that may be. I was talking a while ago about I've never gone anywhere that made sense in the natural. But God has always met us as we've obeyed and walked in it. When I stepped down as senior pastor here, well, we can't say senior anymore, lead pastor here, do you notice on TV they don't call them master bedrooms anymore? Main bedroom. Anyway, the, uh, the, the Lord said this to me. He said, he said Jim, there, there are hundreds of young preachers and churches that are struggling out there that just need somebody to come in and encourage them. Just to do whatever it takes to encourage them. And I'm a builder, and so I can build nearly anything. I'm plumbing, wiring, whatever. I, you know, I can just do all the building trades pretty much. And, and uh, so he said, I just want you to find these churches. He didn't say find them. I said, I want you to go to these churches and encourage your pastor. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to focus first on the pastor 
his family, and then the staff, and then the church. And so, so we were just, you know, my wife had, we were done, she said, she said she was sitting right there, and she said, Lord, we don't know anybody. To which the Lord said to her, I do. And so a little bit later, we were sitting there, and I said to her, uh, how about let's go to, to Brady? She said, where's Brady? I said, oh, it's up in the hill country. So, so we, uh, we had a fifth wheel at that time, and we loaded up and, and pulled it up there, and I was, had already been uh, uh, phasing in Pastor Bobby. And, and so we went to a church, and I'm sorry, I'm going on and on, but it's important. And guess who was coming to hold a revival there? My youth pastor from the First, First Baptist Church of Amphalade. I hadn't heard from him in years. What am I saying to you? I'm saying this stuff really works. It's not theory. It's not hope so. It is reality of how you live life submitting to the Lordship of God, to the authority of the Word, involving yourself in a local body, paying a price to be there, and then saying no to yourself and yes to what God's called you to do. I want you to stand with me. Father, thank you for your Holy Ghost. Thank you that you lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Thank you, Father, that you will never forsake us nor abandon us. Thank you, Father, when we don't understand, all we need to do is trust you. Sounds simple, but boy, oh boy, sometimes it'll get you. Father, I pray for every person. I pray, Father, first for that one that came wanting to quit. Thank you that they're not going to quit now. Thank you that they've determined, hey, no way I'm stepping aside now, big boy. For all of us, Father, we might be found faithful. Choose life because you are the living bread. You are the Alpha and the Omega. And Father, we thank you for your word that's forever settled in heaven. In Jesus' name. If you have a prayer need, there's some prayer folks down here going to help you. Come on, brother. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.